Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. I think that it is time for us to jump into the message for this Sunday. You guys ready for the word? All righty. Well, listen, we are going to be in the book of Matthew today, and so you can jump to chapter 7 if you have your Bible with you or if you, want to, or if you have your phone or iPad, whatever you got. We're going to turn to, to Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be at, and the title of the message this morning is The Foundation of Truth. The Foundation of Truth. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but, um, you know, uh, our, uh, uh, I am blessed so blessed with some of the best in-laws that you can ask. Uh, I'm sure that you do as well, but uh, as far as I know, I am truly blessed. I mean, Melinda's parents are so wonderful. They're gracious. They're kind. I mean, uh, I mean I- I've never had a complaint. In fact, they may be watching. God bless you. Uh, but, um, you know, Melinda, uh, as, as many as you know, she, she's Hispanic. She comes from a Hispanic family. And and uh, uh, family is very important to them. And uh, whenever I moved and I moved her away, five hours away, you know, that was kind of a hard thing for them. And, you know, I mean, uh, she has five older brothers. And I think, uh, excuse me, she has four older brothers, excuse me. And, uh, and, you know, we've been to, I think, two family reunions, maybe three. For sure two or three. And I, haven't, I still haven't met all her cousins. I mean, she has a huge family, but, um, and so, you know, family is important to her. So I, I made sure, I made the decision that I would do my best to make sure to bring her home to visit as often as we could. And of course, that was a lot easier when we only had one daughter, you know, uh, four kids later, you know, we do our best. But when we do visit her family, when we do visit her parents, we usually stay with them. We stay with their parents. And I remember, uh, you know, when, when, you know, when we would stay there, you know, I remember there, you know, I remember seeing in the living room a crack in the wall of their living room. And it was kind of a small crack. And, you know, uh, you know, Abram, he is, he is so, he is on top of all of these things. But I remember seeing this crack and, and uh, you know, we, we probably visit every few months. And so a few months went by and we visited again and that crack was gone. So I figured, you know, he took care of it. He patched that thing up. Year later, we come back, and that crack is there again. And I'm just taking mental note. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you see things. You don't always say anything, but, you know, I noticed it. And uh, the next time we visited again, it was gone. You know, Abram is taking care of things. Well, it came back, you know, maybe a couple years later, I noticed it again, and this time it was huge. I mean, this crack was, was double or triple size, you know, you know, size of the crack that it was before. And so I'm kind of thinking, I mean, surely, you know, he sees this thing. And so, you know, we were just kind of talking, and, and somehow we got on the topic of the crack that's in his wall. And I'm like, man, you know, uh, you've been really working at this thing. You know, you've been really having to work at this thing, you know, you know having to patch it up. And, you know, uh, you know and, I, and I wasn't going to say anything about his patching skills. You know, uh, I mean, you know, I, it's not like I could do better, but, and of course, you know, as we're talking, 
you know, he, you know, informed me that, you know, the the crack was not a a symptom of a of a patching, you know, issue. It wasn't that his patching skills weren't good. He was aware that 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 crack was a symptom of another problem. In that, in that crack, as you may know, as you have, may have seen in your house as well, it is a symptom of a different issue, a much bigger issue. It's a symptom of a problem of the foundation. And he let me know, I mean, until I take care of the foundation, you know, this thing's going to keep coming back. And so for a while, that crack sat there for a long time. And, uh, but when I went there last time, that thing was gone. And it's going to be gone. They went ahead. He made sure to take care of that foundation. And so I don't think we'll be seeing uh, any more cracks there uh, in his wall. And as you know, uh, in your home, you know, uh, when those cracks appear, you know, uh, you know, sometimes it's just the house moving a little bit. But sometimes it can be a, 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 uh, a symptom of a bigger issue of our foundation. And it's no different with our life. You know, if we were to take a survey of our life, there may be times when we'll see cracks in our life. We'll see cracks in our marriage, cracks in our family, cracks in our finances, cracks in, the, in our personal life. We'll see cracks, uh, you know, related to our job, related to our career. And, of course, we do our best to, to address it and to make it look better, to try to patch it up, but many times it is a symptom of a different and a much larger issue. It is a symptom of the problem of our foundation. And until we can address the foundation, the foundational issues, then we will find ourselves continually touching up the cracks in our life. Okay, and just to clear the air, every one of us have had cracks in our life, okay? We, we, no one is, is, is going to pretend to be perfect here. We have all seen and have all had to patch cracks in our life. But when we are able to address what our life is built on, when we can address the foundation, then we get to the heart of the issue, And when that happens, we begin to see the walls of our life begin to clear up. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, listen, Jesus talked about this very thing in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus, he's in northern Galilee with his disciples, and he's delivering his, his, uh, what would be his infamous sermon entitled, The Sermon on the Mount. There and uh, and as he is delivering this message, as he's delivering this sermon, we get to chapter seven, and at the end of chapter seven, Jesus shares this parable. So we're going to begin in verse twenty-four, Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four. Jesus says this: Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. 
Verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who also built his house but on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it, of his house. Again, Jesus speaks on this very same thing. So when you look at this parable, we see two men. And two men both aspire to build a house. So they both decide that they are going to build a house. They have this in common. And no doubt when they go to build this house, they're, you know, nobody, when they have, when they have an opportunity and the resources, we're going to build the best house that we can. And no doubt that these two aspired to, to build a wonderful house. And I'm sure that they both looked great on the outside. You know, they both were beautiful homes. Okay, so two men, they both build a house. They have this in common. Also, not only did they have this in common, but they also experienced a storm. They both built a house, and they both experienced a tragic storm. The Bible says that, 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 that the rain came, the floods came, and the winds beat, uh, uh, beat, uh, beated on that house. Now, those of us here in Southeast Texas, we know what that's called. It's called a hurricane. Okay? Somewhere else might call it a typhoon. Okay? But whatever we want to call it, they both experienced a storm. And that's where the similarities stop, and we see some differences here in this parable. One man, the Bible describes as a wise man, built his house on a rock. Built his house, and we would call it a slab. And, and when, they built the, when he built his house on the slab, the Bible says that when the storm came and beat against his, against his house, once that storm was over, his house was still standing. He endured the same exact, uh, uh, the same exact storm that the other man did, but his house stood strong. But then you had what Jesus calls the foolish man, who built his house on the sand. And the Bible says that his house crashed once that storm came. The storm beat against his house. Rains came, floods came, the winds came, and eventually that house fell. Now, if we were to take our life and lay it on top of this parable, then we will see some comparisons. We'll see some things where we can see ourselves in this parable. You see, the builder in this story is you and me. And the house in this story represents our life. And just like those builders, we all aspire to build a great life. We all want to have a wonderful life, a beautiful life, a wonderful one that we are proud of, one that will stand the test of time. We all want a great marriage. We all want wonderful family. We all want a, a wonderful life. And that's what we are aspiring to build here in this story. And the Bible says that storms came. Storms in the story represent trials. The truth is that 
regardless of who we are, because we live in a fallen world, we all are going to experience trials at some point. I'm sure every single person here in this room, if I were to ask if you've ever been through one, every single person would raise their hand. And if you haven't yet, you're headed for one. We all will face trouble at some point in, in some way, form, or fashion. We will face difficulty in life. And the Bible says that there were two men. And in this story, the rock represents God's word. Jesus says, anyone who hears my words and does them, they represent God's word. And he says that when we build our life on his word, then when storms come, although they may shake the house, although they may cause it to rock a little bit, although the lights might go out, you know, some things might happen, but once that storm is all said and done, the house is still going to be standing. Our life is still going to be strong. It's still going to be standing. But it says that, that there was another man who built it on sand, and sand in this parable represents anything else, anything else other than God's Word. Whether I build my life on what I think is best, whether I build it off of my career, I build my life on whatever it may be, that if I build my life on anything else, when that storm comes, because it will, eventually we may still have our job, but we lose our happiness. We might lose our joy. We might lose our family in the process. There's, there's so many things that could happen here. But he says here that when we build our life on God's word, when that storm comes, we'll still be standing knowing that God is still good. Can anybody testify? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen? So, if that's the case, how do we do that? Because it says that if you build your life on God's word, then you will, that when, we, when we build our life on God's word, what we're saying is that we believe his word. We believe his word. And when we build our life on anything else than his word, then we're saying that anything else that we are building our life on is better and is more reliable than his word. Jesus said that any man who hears my words and does them, in other words, Jesus is saying that his words are truth. In fact, he didn't just say that his words are truth. Jesus said that he himself is the truth. John 14, 6 says this, I am the way and the truth in the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus claimed to be the truth. Now, when we talk about truth, what are we talking about? What, what is truth? Okay, because some people would say that truth is whatever is true for you. Whatever's true for you is good, okay? Uh, you know, you have your truth, I got my truth, and listen, we're all happy. But the problem is, what happens when my truth says that your truth is a lie? Can they both be true? They can't. 
truth, okay, or some people encourage you to celebrate your truth, okay? We live in a culture that says celebrate your truth. And, you know, it doesn't sound bad. It actually sounds good. But when you get down to the, to the, to the core of it, what does that really mean? Celebrate your truth. It's whatever I think is true, whatever truth I want to create, because many people believe that we create our own truth, okay? Some say that truth is subjective. It just depends on your taste, okay? Some people say that truth changes depending on culture, depending on society, depending on, on, uh, on, uh, on uh, you, know, the, you know, a vote of hands, depending on uh, public opinion, that truth changes per culture. But, you know, as good as that, as good as that sounds, I just have a feeling that when we think about people thinking themselves so much better that they think that they have the right to kill Jews, that every person says that is wrong. We don't say, well, it, it was, it's true for them. So, you know, no, there is something on the inside of us that says that is absolutely wrong. Because there is something more than just subjective truth. And we'll get to that in a moment. So I would say that every single one of those definitions are not right. I would say that they fall short of what truth really is. So let me give a few, just, just, just three things that, that I believe, and not coming from me, but coming from the Word of God, of what truth really is. Number one, I say that truth is reality. Truth is reality, meaning that it is not your reality, it's not my reality, but it is reality itself. Meaning that if my truth does not line up with the truth, it can't be true. It can't be. Truth informs us of what we should believe. Cool. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a chance to make fun of me, okay? Not yet. <laughs> she jumped the gun on that one. So, okay, I, now, now let me preface this by saying I was about 11 years old. I was about 10 or 11 years old. Still doesn't, still dumb, but I remember hopping on top of my roof. Y'all know it's about to end badly. I got on my roof and, you know, you know hang out with my friends. You know, when you, when you get a bunch of 10, 11-year-old boys, you know, for some reason, we, you, know, you know, we just think we can do anything. You know, you, you know, you just think you can do anything. And I remember hopping up and I thought, man, I'm going to jump off this house. I really said that out loud. Hey, y'all, move out the way. And they're all like, okay, you know, cool, let's do it. And I remember getting ready, and I went and jumped off that. Boom, I jumped off. And somehow, some way, Rustin, I did not break my legs. I don't know how, but, you know, I, I tucked and rolled. But I remember feeling how, 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 how painful that was. You know, uh, I may have not broken my legs, but I may have got arthritis, you know, on my knees. <laughs> But I remember jumping off, and I landed, and I remember rubbing my knees and thinking, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> Why? Because truth informed me that that's probably not a good idea. You're going to get hurt. It informed me of what I should believe, and guess what? I believed it. I didn't do that again. I didn't jump off my house again, never again. Thank God. 
Okay, I was smart. I was wise. Because truth informs us of what we should believe. Because truth is reality. Truth is also absolute. Truth is absolute. In other words, it means, truth is absolute means that truth does not change. Truth cannot be changed. It cannot change. While there is subjective truth, there is a place for subjective truth. Okay? What's the best place to eat here in Southeast Texas? That's a subjective truth. If you say Bobby's in Nederland, you wouldn't be wrong. Okay? If, if we say that, uh, that, that pizza is the best food, okay, that's a subjective truth. Okay? We're making a subjective claim. But the, there's a difference between that and believing that absolute truth that does not change is subjective. It's, it, it, it can't be both. Truth is absolute. Regardless of what I think, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I believe should be true, will not change the fact that truth is the same and it will not change. My opinions will not change what is true because it is absolute. Truth cannot change, truth does not change, and it will not change. Why? Because number three, truth is established by God. Only God establishes truth. Only God defines truth. Now, we can discover truth, but we don't create our own truth. Only God defines what is true. And if my truth doesn't line up with his truth, then what I believe is not reality. Now, understanding truth is reality, truth is absolute, it doesn't change, and truth is defined by God, let us look at the antonym. Let us look at the opposite of truth. What is the opposite of truth? It's falsehood. It's a lie. It's deceit. Deception. And while God the Word of God tells us that he can only tell the truth. He cannot lie. While that is true, you do have an adversary. You do have an enemy who is doing everything he can to deceive you. The Bible says that the devil is the father of lies. That he is the great deceiver is what the Word of God says in Revelation that he is doing everything he can to get you to stir you away from the truth. That's what he's doing every single day. All that he can, everything he can. Now listen, you can't change truth and I can't change truth. And guess what? The devil can't change, change truth either. But what he can do and what he's going to try to do is change what you believe to be the truth. He wants to change what you believe to be true. Because if he can change what you believe to be true, then he can stir you away and steer you away from God. That's what he wants to do, to steer your heart, to steer your mind, to steer you clear away from God. Which shows us the importance of knowing the truth. 
Because if we know the truth, then we cannot be deceived. In fact, Jesus said it like this, John 8, 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free from deception. If I know what the truth is, and if I, if I, if I know what the truth is, then whenever the devil tries to deceive me, I know that it's a lie. Now, we're going somewhere with this. But that word know, to know the truth, it's not a head knowledge. It's not just having the knowledge that I know what the Bible says. Okay? Just knowing what the Bible says is not enough. Okay? There was a foolish man who heard Jesus' words but built his house on the sand and his whole house crashed. Okay? He, he knew what Jesus said. There's a difference between knowing the truth and us knowing the truth. That word know in the Bible, okay, is, is the Greek word gnosko, which means to abide. And to abide means to live in or to take residence in, to live in. In other words, to abide means to know the truth. It means to know the truth, which means to live in or live out the truth. When I know the truth, I am living it. It's not, Jesus says that if you hear my words and you do them, if we hear his words and we do them, then we are living out the truth and it shows that we know it in our heart. We are knowing it with our life. Oh, and, and by doing it, it shows that we truly believe. To believe means to be live, to be living it out. When I believe it, it's not just I, I, I believe in my mind because I know that it's true, but then I don't live it with my life. It's not the same thing. That we know it in our heart. So when we know the truth and we live it out, Jesus says that we will be set free from deception. So we must know the truth. It's important that we know the truth. After all, Jesus said that building our life on his word, building our life on the truth, will ensure that we have a strong foundation. And that's what we are looking for. So how do we do that? Well, the, it starts by knowing where to go to find truth. You see, some people would say that there is, that, that there is no way to absolutely know truth. There's a lot of people who really believe that. In fact, they teach it. They teach it, uh, whether it's in the universities, whether it's in schools, whether it's in families, or whether it's on social media, that you can't really know truth. But if that's the case, then you can't really know that that statement is true. It's self-defeating. It doesn't make sense. Truth is knowable. Truth is knowable. There's no way for truth to not be knowable and for us to have a conversation. You can't have a conversation. You can't build a relationship on something that you can't know. Truth is knowable. And truth is found in God's word. Truth is found in God's word. This is what God's word says. Psalms 119 verse 160. That's a lot of verses. Psalm 119 verse 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth truth. 
what the, that's what the Bible says. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is the Old Testament, New Testament, and the gospel. Jesus himself claiming that the word of God is truth. It is truth. And if we want to find truth, we have to go to the word of God because the word of God is the foundation of truth. It is the beginning of truth. As Psalm says, the word of God is the beginning of all, of all wisdom. It is the beginning of wisdom and it's the beginning of truth. So, knowing that the Bible is the foundation of truth, Jesus says that if we hear his words and we do them, that it says that we are building our life on a strong foundation. So we have to embrace the word. As I mentioned before, Jesus was trying to get across to us through the parable of the wise builder that we are to build our life on his word. So how do we make God's word the foundation of our life? Now, we do it, but many times, if we're honest, well, let me say it like this. If we continually see cracks in our life in certain areas, it shows that there is something that we're believing that's not true. And what I mean by that is that there's something that we're living that is not true. It doesn't line up with God's word. And so when we see that we have to go back to our foundation, what we are building our life on to ensure that it lines up with his word, we have to choose to make God's word the, the, the foundation of our life. That whenever there is an issue, when there is a problem, that we go to his word to find the answer. That we make the mental shift, we have to rewire our minds to make the decision that God's word will have the final say in every area of our life. And it does take work. It does take us being attentive. But when we do it, we'll begin to see God's word begin to change our life from the inside out, from the ground up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen that happen in their life? When we build our life on his, on his word... It, it builds a firm foundation because difficulty is going to come. Trials are going to come. But when it's all said and done, if our life is built on the word, we're not lost. We're not confused. We may, have to, uh, we may have to walk some things out. We may have to figure some things out. But we're still standing strong on his word. So how do we do it? Well, number one is that we have to make sure that we are reading his word, that we're getting in his word, that we are allowing the word of God, uh, that we are exposing ourselves to truth every day. And, you know, we have to start somewhere. It can, it can be just 
It can be just a few verses. You know, we can't memorize a whole chapter anyways, but start somewhere. Begin to, 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 to read the Word and allow God to speak to us, to speak truth in our life. The Word of God says that, that, that His Word transforms us. It transforms our mind. But we have to be exposed to His Word first. We must read the Word. Secondly, we, we must meditate on His Word. That word meditate means to murmur. It means to speak, to speak out, to speak to yourself. Okay, let's be honest. Anybody else talk to themselves sometimes? I mean, anybody ever? Okay, how about this? How many of you guys ever had your kids catch you talking to yourself? Anybody? Okay, yeah, okay. And they're like, what are you, who are you talking? Just, hey, look at this. No, hey, hey, look over there. You know, let's just distract them for a second, you know. Okay, you know. We all know what it's like to talk to ourselves. We all know what it's like to meditate on what somebody said to us. We all know what it's like to meditate on how somebody treated us. We all know what it's like to meditate on what we should have said, what we should have done. We all, we all know how to meditate our, uh, on what we're going to say to them to get back at them next time. We all know how to meditate, but it says here it's important for us to meditate on his word for us to get it in our mind whenever we're reading in the morning and we see something that speaks to us, to grab a hold of it and begin to meditate on it. Lord, how can, I, how can I see this done in my life? Lord, how can I show love to my enemies? Lord, how can I do this? Let me meditate on it. Let me speak this to myself to allow him to begin to transform my mind. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of, the, of this world, but instead be transformed through the renewal of your mind, that instead that we are going to meditate on his word. I'm going to meditate on what truth is. And thirdly, we live it out. We live out the word. We do it. We practice it. Does it mean that you're going to be perfect the first time? No. I remember whenever Naomi first started playing basketball, I looked at, you know, she was in the first grade, and I told Melinda, I don't think this is it for her, babe. <laughs> We're going to have to move on to the next one. <laughs> but, you know, Naomi kept practicing, and she got pretty good. But when she started off, she wasn't very good at it. If we're all honest, when it comes to loving our enemies, when we first started, we were not good at it. Okay? <laughs> when, it when it came to to, to, uh, to submitting ourselves to authority, we were not always good at it. But man, when we can just practice it out, if we can just live it out, begin to walk it out every single day, the Holy Spirit will do the work. He's going to do the work. And we're going to be practicing truth in our life. We are laying a strong foundation. We're readjusting our foundation every single day to ensure that we are building a life on God's word so that when trials come, that our house and our life is still going to be standing when it's all said and done. But we have to build it on a strong foundation. Let us expose ourselves to the word and meditate on it and live it out. So, a few takeaways for us today. Understanding that we all want to build a wonderful and a godly life. And the only way that we can do it to ensure that it's still standing is that we build it on God's word. And you know what? I don't think that any of us intentionally try to build it, try to, try to not build our life on God's word. Sometimes 
It's, it's, it's the enemy likes to, he, 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 wants, he wants to deceive. He wants to drop some, some things in our mind. But if we go to the Word of God every day, it's going to realign ourselves with his word. It's going to help us to realign to what is truth to ensure that we're building our life on his word. So a few takeaways. Number one, truth is absolute. Truth does not change. Whatever God sets as true doesn't change based on my opinion. It doesn't based on someone else's thoughts. Okay? It is objective truth. You know, it's objectively true that I own a 2019 Volkswagen Atlas. Yeah, that thing is clean. I mean, it's, it's the best car I've ever had. So, I mean, you know, every, every car gets better, baby. Um, and uh, I'm driving, I am driving the hoopty, so, you know, it just kind of comes with it. But it is true that I, it is objectively true, okay? But it is not objectively true if I said that a 2019 Volkswagen Atlas is the coolest car, okay? I don't even know why I would say that. But if I did, it would not be objective. It's, it's subjective. It's my opinion. But God's word is not subjective. What God sets as true is not based on opinion, and it does not change. It change. It change. Excuse me. It is absolute. Truth is knowable, and it is found in God's word. We can go to God's word and know the truth. And we must remember that the devil he can't change the truth, but he is going to try to find a way to change what you believe to be true. He wants to change what you believe to be reality. But if we know the truth and we are exposing ourselves to truth and we are meditating on truth and we are living out truth, then we will be free from deception in our life. Amen? Truth is absolute. Number two, God's word is the foundation of truth. Let us, if we have not yet, made the, make the decision the mental shift that God's Word, that the Bible, the Word of God, is going to be the central, the central location of our life for where we go to find truth, where we go to find answers. And that when we ask for advice from people, that we go to people that know the Word of God, who build their life on the Word of God, that we're not just hearing and listening for things that sound good. Because, man, things sound good all the time, but, man, it doesn't always look good when we live it out. Actually, sometimes it does. And then then later on down the line, we realize, you know what, man, where did I go wrong? And we've all been there before. But when when we decide and make the decision for our life, because it is, but we have to decide for our life, to align ourselves with his word and decide that I'm going to the word of God to decide what is true for my life, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to live. I was trying to decide whether I was going to share this story or not, but okay, I will. <laughs> you know, Melinda knows what I'm going to say. You know, uh, my daughter Naomi and you listen, man, we live, in, listen, Southeast Texas is amazing. My brother moved here. 
you know, uh, my mom is looking at moving here. I mean, Southeast Texas is wonderful. But Naomi, for the first time, she had, she first had her first experience with someone making a comment about her color and saying something ugly about it. And I remember her, her getting in the car, and she was so upset. She was crying. My daughter Maya was confused. It's confusing because it's, 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 it's wrong. It's, it's alive. That's how we know that truth is objective because that's objectively wrong. Every person would agree. And I remember mulling through what I was going to tell her. And I remember mulling through uh, thoughts in my heart. And, and when we got home, I sat down with her, and, you know, with my wife, and I let her know, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to imagine that this girl is having an awful day. She's having an off day. We're going to imagine that this young girl said something and was trying to be mean and wasn't trying to be someone who is what, I would, you know, what we would call a racist, okay? We're not, we're not, we're not going to go there. We're going to assume that this is a bad day for her because we all have bad days. What we're going to do is we're going to pray for her, we're going to love her, and the next time you see her, if you ever get a chance, you tell her, hey, hey I didn't like what you told me. Okay, that, that hurt my feelings. Let's not do that again. And we decided that we are going to love her enemies. And I don't even think that she's her enemy. We're just going to assume that she had a bad day. And you know what? What, I, what, what my daughter learned that day was that she was not going to take revenge because she didn't know what to do. But how I instructed my daughter was going to be how she was going to navigate the rest of her life. You see, when the Word of God navigates our life, it's also going to navigate our children's life. It's going to navigate our friend's life. Because the devil, he doesn't just want to deceive you. He wants to deceive your children. He wants to deceive your grandchildren. He wants to deceive your friends. He wants to deceive everyone around you. The Word of God has to navigate our life. And just, just so you're wondering, I don't know that she's had a chance to tell her that, but my daughter, she made the decision she, she, made, she made her decision. She made up she was good. She doesn't have an ill thought towards that girl. She doesn't even bring her up. In fact, she told her principal, and her principal was shocked. And she was thinking, wow, that is amazing. Naomi's fine. She's good. But you know what? When the time comes, she's going to love that little girl. The Word of God navigates, when we make it the central location for truth in our life, it will navigate us and everyone around us. God's word is the foundation of truth. So number one, truth is absolute. God's word is the foundation of truth. Number three, let us make God's word the foundation of truth for our life. Let us decide that that is what we are going to do. We are going to make mental shifts that when I say something to my wife and I realize, oof, she's about to look at me crazy. Or oof, when I turn around, she's going to have a tear in her eye. Let me humble myself for a second and say, listen, babe, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. And I've done that. I've gotten better. We all should. Let us allow the word of God to correct us. And instead of going off of our natural response, leaving it open for the devil to get a foothold in our life, let us go to the Word of God. Let us flip through Scripture. Allow the Holy Spirit to flip through Scripture until he puts his finger on the one 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit, if we just give it a second, the Holy Spirit will begin to roll those scriptures that you've been reading and it will bring one to the front of your mind on how to respond to the situation. And it will happen if we make the Word of God the foundation of truth for our life. Amen? You know, Jesus said that if we build our life on His Word, then our life will still be standing when trials come. If not, we'll see it come crashing down. And storms represent trials in this life. But there's a greater storm that also refers to the afterlife and is the day when we face Jesus. And his word says, Jesus, God has an unconditional will and a conditional will. His unconditional will is that he is coming back to his church. Regardless of what you do, regardless of what I do, he's coming back for his church. Regardless of what we do, the devil, he will be destroyed. He will be cast into the eternal lake of fire, and it will be said and done with. That's going to happen. It will. We can book it. It's going to happen regardless of what we do. But there is a conditional will. God's desire is that every man, that every soul would be saved. But there's a condition. The Word of God says that every man that calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. Let me ask you a question. Have you called on the name of Jesus? If you're here today and you have not given your life to Jesus, you can do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. We're going to pray for everyone. And right in your seat, you can pray a prayer where the Holy Spirit will come into your life and he will revive your heart and you will be born again. That's what the Bible says. All we have to do is realize that we need Jesus. Repent, meaning to turn away from our past and turn away from our life and give our life to him and receive the free gift of salvation. And the, and the word of God says that he will save your soul. What I want us, everyone to do, if we can just bow our heads and close our eyes, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray today. And, and, and if you could pray this prayer with me, every person pray this prayer with me. And if you're here today and you know that you need to call in the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer and mean it. And the Lord Jesus, he will come and save your soul. Everybody pray like this. Say, Jesus. Everyone say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my past and I turn to you. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I trust in you today. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. 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 Listen, the Word of God says that when one person comes to, the, to, to salvation, one person that all of heaven celebrates, I think that right now, today, it is worth us putting our hands together because I believe that someone here gave their life to Jesus. In fact, what I want to encourage you to do is after service, we're about to dismiss to come to the front, okay? Make it known. Let us not hide what, what God has done in our life, but instead, let us celebrate it and let me put something in your hands that will help you with your walk with Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors 
and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.